Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to my time capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my time capsule is the podcast where I ask my guests to tell me the five things from their life that they would like to preserve in a time capsule. They can pick four things that they cherish, but they also have to pick one thing that they'd rather regret, something they want to bury in the ground and never think of again. My special guest in this episode of My Time Capsule is the comedian, children's author, illustrator, creator and presenter of Art Club, an online art channel for kids, and brilliantly named Olaf Falafel. Of course, that's not his real name. No, according to Wikipedia, the font of all errors, his real name is Derek Chickpeas. More on that shortly. Olaf worked as an art director before becoming a comedian. He was nominated for the Laughing Horse Comedy Club's New Act of the Year in 2014, and in 2017 and 2018, he was included on the list of the funniest jokes of the Edinburgh Fringe, which he finally won in 2019 with the joke, I keep randomly shouting out broccoli and cauliflower. I think I might have florets. That's a joke worth remembering. Olaf is the author and illustrator of several kids' books, including the flatulent Old MacDonald Heard a Parp trilogy, It's One Giant League for Mankind, plus he's currently working on his first middle-grade series for Puffin Books. As well as finding comedic success on stage, Olaf has also enjoyed online fame with his short viral videos. These absurdist movies include a croissant coiffured talking Donald Trump puppet. Try saying that after you've had a bottle of gin. Some slices of truth-telling cheese being thrown onto newspapers. And the Bee Gees hiding in his beard. The comedy website Chortle affectionately described Olaf as an idiot. So let's discover what this lovely, inventive man will choose from his life to put in a time capsule. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Olaf Falafel. Or is it Derek Chickpeas? 
the thing I wanted to say to you almost immediately is, what on earth would a man called Derek Chickpea do if he wanted to change his name? Why would you change your name? I mean, to be 100% completely honest, Derek Chickpeas isn't my real name. I I, answer, oh. I I thought it would be funny. It is really funny. One of the things I get asked is, is Olaf Falaf your real name? Of course it's not. But I thought it'd be funny that I would have an even stranger name as a real name. <laughs> It's brilliant. The internet has kind of made it true. And I quite like that. I say it in stand-up gigs. I, it's one of my opening lines is, um, hi, my name's Olaf Falafel. Obviously not my real name. It's a stage name. My real name is Derek Chickpeas. <laughs> and that just gets a laugh and we're going. <laughs> of course. Instant. Oh, it's a brilliant idea. I mean, I really like a lot of your ideas. <laughs> I'm very keen on a silly joke. Yeah, I, I visit quite a lot of schools because I do kids books and they, they love a joke. They absolutely love a joke. And I do the, at the end of my sort of assemblies, I sort of say, has anyone got any questions? And because I've told a few jokes during the thing, there's no questions. It's just, do you want to hear a joke? And I just get bombarded with jokes, which is great. (laughs) Brilliant. I love that about children. I love the fact that once they work out, well, in fact, before they work out what a joke is, they like jokes. Yeah. Some of them aren't even jokes, some are just funny noises, funny sounds, and some of them will tell me jokes that aren't jokes. They're not, they're, it's not the wordplay or the link, but it just sounds funny and you laugh anyway. <laughs> I went to my grandson's class the other week. They're all seven-year-olds. And I started by saying, how old do you think I am? And the first one said, uh, 71? And I went, no. And 72? It just got higher and higher. <laughs> No way they were coming down from 71. Well, I don't think you look 75. (laughs) I look after myself. What are you talking about? But it was lovely. I've visited quite a lot of schools with my books, and I think what they want is someone... I'm not saying all teachers... Well, teachers have to be disciplinarians, but they're not all the time, and not all of them. You know, you do get some who are fun. But if you've got someone who looks like a grown-up and then comes in and straight away does something silly, they... That there's a switch that goes in the head. Hang on a minute, this isn't a, another assembly. This is something. Something's going to happen here. Absolutely. And then when you do say something serious or something important, it's part of that process, isn't yeah. it? It goes in. Yeah, I've got a book out. It's called Blobfish, and it's it's kind of gently introducing plastics in the ocean. And I thought, you know, it's quite a quite a serious, grim topic when you really delve deep and you think about how. I mean, there's a stat that I pulled up that's, but they reckon if we carry on the way we're going by the year 2050, there'll be more plastic in the ocean than fish by weight. And I thought I wanted to kind of get it across. Obviously, I was going to read the book, but I wanted to do something a bit extra. And I thought oh, it'd be quite fun to make a video game. Now, I can do animation. I'm an illustrator and I can do things like that. I'm not a programmer. I'm not a video game developer, but I can do a little animation, make a video. And I thought, well, what I would do is make it appear that the kids are controlling it. So get a volunteer and make them think they're controlling it by thought. And I had a colander that I basically, I raided the pound shop and I bought clips (laughs) and stick on LED lights. And there was a Barocca tube with a wind up fan in the top. And I got a volunteer (laughs) up and I said, right, we're going to be playing a video game. And it's based on Mario. It's it's called Super Gario. (laughs) And the character comes along, he throws a plastic bag towards the ocean. And on the other side of the ocean is a recycling bin. And the child who's wearing the thought control helmet has to think the plastic bag over the ocean into the uh, recycling bin. Now, it's, it is literally just a video, and obviously they're thought, <laughs> but they, they buy into it and everyone's clapping. The first try, <laughs> it's quite cruel, they actually fail. The plastic bag drops into the ocean and it kills a turtle. <laughs> 
So I have to be quite careful when I'm picking the volunteer to pick one of the more resilient kids. Yes. And then, but in, after that, then I give them a couple of facts. And so there is a sort of semi-serious bit. And then we try again and then they get it right. And then there's a couple more facts, but there's lots of clapping. There's lots of whooping. What and, a brilliant idea. What a brilliant idea for a book as well. You've got two books out though at the moment, haven't you? Well, I've, this one's out at the moment, Blobfish, but I have got one called Trixie Pickle Art Avenger. Ah, now, right. this one... Uh, is that linked with your YouTube stuff? It is, yeah. So this is, it's my first ever chapter book. I've done loads of picture books for the sort of younger age, whereas this one is... It's basically a girl who is her school's version of Banksy. Right. And she gets back at bullies and horrible teachers by referencing famous artists, uh, some of the more sort of familiar ones like Picasso and Van Gogh, but then some more that kids perhaps possibly wouldn't know, like Chris Affili, who was the sort of British Nigerian artist who used elephant dung in his artwork. Oh, right, yeah. I picked him mainly because kids like poop. <laughs> but in the book, Trixie kind of is influenced and inspired by these artists and uses little bits from their artworks mm. in her Art Avenger missions. But yeah, it's, it's filled with cartoons as well. So it's one of these books for kids who are kind of somewhere, but basically somewhere where I am at the moment. They call them in schools, they call them reluctant readers. Right. Without generalising, they tend to be boys. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, th- I think I just wanted to make something very funny. So I've I've just filled it with cartoons and... And silly jokes. Silly jokes, yeah. lots of silly jokes. To be honest with you, there's a, there's a fair bit that's from my stand-up <laughs> that I've <laughs> managed to shoehorn in. Um, there's a bit I do in stand-up called Biscuitology. I kind of make out that I've come up with a far more accurate version of horoscopes so it, it can predict your character or your character traits. <laughs> but I can do it if you just tell me your favourite biscuit. (laughs) And I've got a little book in my back pocket and I pretend that I've got all the biscuits written down. So say, for example, you what what would be your favourite biscuit? Uh, Let's say bourbon. So I'd say, oh, bourbon. Mm. Um, That's on the classics page. Hold on a second, just thumb through. (laughs) There we go, so we've got rich tea digestive. Ah, bourbon. And then I would say, ah, it says here, according to Biscuitology, you are the kind of person who, instead of using Domestos to clean his toilet, will use Yakult. (laughs) (laughs) and then fetch a microscope to watch the battle between evil and friendly bacteria. (laughs) I once did an advert like that. Oh, did you? (laughs) I did an advert for a toilet cleaner that I improvised on the day, which was um, with this toilet cleaner, as far as germs are concerned, life is just a bowl of cherries. And with this toilet cleaner, life's just a bowl. (laughs) Very good, very good. Thank you. So Blobfish is out at the moment. That's for the younger kids. And then uh, Trixie Pickle Art Avenger might well be out when people are listening to this. I'm not sure. But yeah, 7 to 12 is the age range. My kids have got a far more advanced reading age than me. They're onto stuff that is... I mean, one of the one of the things that I want to put in my time capsule kind of links onto this. Oh, right. I don't know whether to mention it now or not. But, well, um, okay. Well, are you happy to talk about the five things you want to put in a time capsule? Yeah, sure. Well, the first one, I think it will be a copy of the Beano, but inside it is a copy of Viz. <laughs> Because I couldn't, basically, it's a cop-out. I couldn't choose which one has sort of inspired me more and which one I've sort of enjoyed more. So I thought, why not have the Viz inside the Beano so it doesn't look quite as rude? <laughs> but, but yeah, they've, they've both definitely inspired pretty much everything that I do and I think about. I've, I've always been a massive Beano fan. I used to get the Beano delivered every week and it was like the highlight of my week. And I loved, I just 
I just loved it. I just loved it. I loved all of the characters. I loved all of the the, the school kind of related Bass Street kids and Dennis. And my favourite was Roger the Dodger. Um, <laughs> and I, I think because he always had creative ways of not just getting out of stuff, but kind of using everyday objects. And there's there's a bit of... I mean, I, there's a massive scoop of Roger the Dodger in Trixie Pickle in terms of, like, using household items and using everyday things to kind of put them together and turn them into something. So the Beano has definitely influenced me. But then Viz was was almost the step up. And I, I remember my dad <laughs> bringing home a couple of copies of Viz from where he worked. I don't think we were supposed to have found them. He worked <laughs> in a, a typesetters, so like where they kind of put the rows of type yeah. for a page to be printed back back in the olden days, talking of the olden days. And um, I think someone at his work had a copy of Viz or two, and he brought them back. And I, re- I remember the day where we found, we had a coffee table and there was always a stack of boring magazines that we'd never go near. And then one day I found that this kind of, it looked like a comic sticking out the side of Homes and Garden or whatever it is. Yeah. But I remember pulling it out and then that was like, hang on a minute, this is like, the Beano, but there's it was an education, <laughs> a lot of it. Because I mean, I, I I don't know how old I'd have been, but I'm pretty sure I wasn't allowed to be reading a lot of the words that were in there. Yeah. Did you then start drawing, or did you, had you been drawing all the time? I drew as a uh, school child, so sort of. What, I, I mean, I, I tell the kids this one as well. So where where my dad worked, he he had all sorts of photocopiers and things like that. So I used to sit at home and draw my own comics. And I would I would come up with they were mainly sort of Beano influenced because I would have been ten at the time, sort of eight, nine, ten, eleven ish, so in junior school. And I would give the comics to my dad. He would take them to work and make me ten copies. And then I would take them take them back to school and flog them in the playground. <laughs> Brilliant. And spend the money on sweets. And the kids, when I go into schools and tell them that, they, they love to hear that. They love to hear the teachers look at me like, don't give them ideas. <laughs> the first one I made was called Bullseye. Um, but actually, art reflecting life in Trixie Pickle, she makes her own comics and does exactly the same thing as I do. So I thought it would be funny to make a copy of the comic that she makes in the book. Hers is called Blamo. Brilliant. And it's just... It's just got lots of funny little kind of individual... And it is very much like the bullseye that I would have made. So this has got rubbish evil robots on the front as a comic strip. <laughs> and they just they just get the wrong end of the stick, basically. And what have we got? There's, there's bum-faced snails, which is kind of, kind of a bit Viz. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a few spoofs which Viz like to do. So there's the very angry caterpillar. Very good. Which is just a one-panel cartoon of the very angry caterpillar saying, buzz off, big nose. Um, <laughs> get in the bin. It's <laughs> uh, Barry Plopper, boy wizard. Brilliant. This comic that I've made to go with the, some of the copies of the books is, is very much almost straddling the Beano and Viz. So um, Barry Plopper, Boy Wizard, is clearly Harry Potter, but he gets the spells wrong and it always ends up with some kind of poo-related... Fantastic idea. So, yeah, they're definitely huge influences. How many books is that included with? I wanted it to be a little promo thing. I, I'm trying to angle... I don't know quite how it'll work and whether there's the money there or not to give it as a thing that independent bookshops can have almost as an incentive to not buy it from that big company that we all know beginning with a there are lots of big companies beginning with a aren't there and they're all incredibly powerful <laughs> yes indeed i've got a good friend who owns his own bookshop he started it up just as the pandemic was hitting 
um, in the wonderful town of Tring. Do you know Tring? I do, yes. I've got a friend, Philip Pope, who I've been my friend uh, for many years, lives just outside Tring. Well, he, he opened our bookshop and he's a great supporter of my stuff and I visit schools around him. And if you go and buy your book in Tring, you'll definitely be able to get hold of one of these. I've noticed on Amazon it's already sort of discounted already, which they, they do because they can, because they've got the, the, the scale on their side, whereas the, the bookshops will sell it at the price that is actually on the back. Yeah. But you almost sometimes almost need a, an extra incentive to get it from them. And something like that that you're only going to be able to get from your local bookshop is quite a nice thing. But do you think that we're always being told that children are going to stop reading? You know, there's so many video games and so many things that they play online and everything's online now that they're not going to read books. But I think that the joy of reading a book is quite a separate thing. I don't think one replaces the other. So I think children, when they're presented with books and given the opportunity to read, they really treasure them. They love them. We have my two. So I've got two daughters and they are 10 and 13. And they both got Kindles, but it was a fad. They've got books lined up and in their shelves and they will... I think to the thirteen-year-old, it's more—it's it's almost like a badge of honor. It's the—it's almost like the music posters. These, this, these are the books that I like. These kind of define me. Yeah. And she will read them, and then once she's read them, she'll put them on her little shelf to display. And she has a cupboard that is just filled with books, and then she kind of picks out the ones that are kind of for display purposes. <laughs> so, but yeah, they love reading. We went to the Cheltenham Science Festival. And I did an event there. But there was a girl from TikTok who my daughter knew who was doing a talk. And it, it made her day to get her book and to get it signed with, by her and to get her photo taken with it. It was like the best thing in the world. And for her, who's getting to that age now where she's getting quite cynical. Well, she has been for quite a while. <laughs> but it was lovely to see that childlike kind of wonder when she, that awe of that kind of delight when she got this book and she got to meet her and she got it signed and yeah it's really good yeah well for some people that never goes away i remember my wife getting a book signed by michael johnson she looked like a little girl i'd be in awe if i got my book signed by him yeah absolutely he'd rival you in the voices i could listen to forever stakes <laughs> i was explaining to my other half about your podcast and we we played a couple of episodes I said, your, your voice is like a waterfall of chocolate. It's oh, lovely. very smooth and soothing. <laughs> I think of it as being obviously abused <laughs> over many years. But anyway, um, I'll put Viz magazine slipped inside the Beano so that people can't tell you're reading rude jokes. <laughs> and that goes into the time capsule. That's your first item, Olaf. Excellent. So my, my second one, it's a time, it's a bit more ephemeral, it's, it's walking my daughters into school because... Sadly, I've only got five more weeks left of it. And it's just been, it's, it's always, it always has been on a purely selfish level. It gets me out of bed and stops me just kind of being lazy. It's a great bit of bonding time. But more than that, it gives me material. <laughs> they're, they're just amazing sources of, or I can bounce ideas off them. Um, so the 13 year old hasn't, I've not been walking to school with her for a couple of years now. But the, the 10 year old, and I think actually the, the 13 year old won't be listening to this anyway, but the 10 year old is probably more similar to my thought process in terms of comedy and in terms of just thinking about weird stuff. Like the other day, she was saying to me, Dad, don't you think it'd be cool if you could hire out IKEA, get all of your friends, and just have it as a big hide and seek? Ah. Oh. 
that's a good idea. That and is a good idea. So we, yeah, we talked together about things like that. It's actually where my, my first ever book came from. So my first ever book that got me into, I was quite fortuitous. I got into kids publishing via, as well as doing stand up for grownups, I sometimes do comedy club for kids, which is a uh, comedy team who put on gigs that are stand up comedians that you'll know but doing a set that will be as close as possible to a grown-up set, but without the swears and without the adult references in. Mm. Obviously, it can get a bit silly. My comedy is quite silly anyway, yeah. so I don't have to change that much for it. But I'm always trying to invent things that I can do for Comedy Club for Kids, because it is a different audience. So things like the colander on the head would be perfect. Mm. But one of the things I was thinking of was the Old MacDonald rhyme. And instead of Old MacDonald had a farm, changing it to Old MacDonald heard a fart. <laughs> and I'm walking along with both my girls. This would have been about five or six years ago. And I'm thinking, well, you've got to do the different fart noises for each animal. And each animal has to make a different fart. So we were kind of <laughs> on the walk, on the go, brainstorming what would a duck fart sound like and the girls were like well it you know it would be quite tight <laughs> because of, and I, I was thinking well it, I think it would actually go inwards so it'd go <laughs> and then we were talking about well, a cow fart well that would be quite kind of flappy and quite yeah quite and we were walking along and I think all the other mums and dads must have looking at us as we were singing oh McDonald heard a fart with a here and a here and a <laughs> and they they were in hysterics listening to this i mean they would have probably only been about sort of six and eight at the time but it got to the point where the song caught on in their school and it, it i went playground viral <laughs> but eventually one of the kids came home and she said oh the dinner ladies have stopped us singing it at lunchtime <laughs> <laughs> they banned it. And as soon as I heard that they banned it, I thought, well, this would make a great book. Yeah. Um, so I drew a cover and I drew the inside and I did little sort of diagrams that showed you the mouth movements that you need to, the gymnastics with your mouth that you need to do to make. So for the duck fight, you, I think the instruction is something along the lines. You have to make your mouth small and tight, like the knotted end of a balloon. And instead of blowing out, you suck in and then it goes... And I've tried to phonetically spell out the, I think the duck may be a, is that a B-W-W-W-P? <laughs> and so, yeah, you, you read the book and you you follow along with the mouth noises. And yeah, that was that was my first kid's book. But that came from the, the walking the daughters into school. And there are loads of bits in this book, uh, Trixie Pickle, that have come from walking the girls into school. And one of the things, the pickup as well afterwards, because she's got a really nice group of friends and they all kind of know what I do <laughs> and I am almost siphoning off I the, rather than did you have a good day or what did you do at school today I always ask what was the funniest thing that happened at school and they will they were <laughs> I've, I've, I've just actually finished the first draft of the second book uh, Trixie Pickle 2 which is not going to be out till next year but there's one story in that and I can tell it now because it won't spoil it but the teacher was doing a science experiment and it was all about solids and liquids. And what they'd done had taken a latex glove, a rubber glove, washing up glove, and filled it with water, put it in the school freezer overnight to freeze into a solid hand. And what they were going to do is put it into like a tray of water and measure the temperature of the water as the ice hand melts and then record it in a little... I don't know what they were learning. I don't know why you'd need to know this, but... 
they were telling me that the teacher they were, is at the front of the class on the table, little tray with some water in, and they were trying to get this glove off the ice hand, <laughs> and the fingers one by one kept snapping off and spinning across the classroom floor. And every time it happened, the laughter kind of cranked up a level until there were only a couple of fingers left, left, and they kind of did the the tablecloth trick where you thought, right, with these last ones, we'll just whip it off, see if we can uh, have any fingers remaining. And they whipped it off and one finger remained and it was the middle <laughs> finger. So there was an ice hand at the mid front of the class giving the whole class the finger. Brilliant. And I thought, well, I've got, I've got to use that story. So that story is in the next book. But yeah, I... I, I get given these absolute gifts. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, knowing what you do and knowing how much you enjoy it, I bet they save them up. They do, they do. They they tell me, and they tell me the little rhymes as well. So, for example, there, there was one that made me laugh the other day where they're on a table of four and if someone sort of leans over and steals your ruler or tries to borrow it without asking, they kind of slap the hand and say, hippity hoppity, get off my property. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was great as well. So, uh, yeah, and I'm constantly just literally just making notes of everything that they said and storing it up for book two or whatever is the next thing. I, I really love those silly little wordplay things. I vacuum them up from everywhere. And... Well, I'm glad somebody does because I think these things happen and they just pass by. Quite often with children, very funny things happen and then people forget them. Mm. So in a way, storing them up, taking them and, and turning them into something, you're getting those things to survive. My granddaughter did a most fantastic joke. She's very funny. I bought her a little dog in a charity shop the other week and it was called uh, Whiskey. had the name Whiskey on a label around his neck. And then at night she was... She's having a tough time at the moment, bless her. But her mother said to her, are you all right? And she said, no, I'm, I'm upset. And she said, well, you need whiskey. And she said, at my age? <laughs> it's great, isn't it, when they've, there's that, it's not just the, the poo bum fart no. humour, it's just going the next level. And it's, it's um, that's, yeah, so my 13-year-old, she's very dry, but she's got that kind of element of, uh, she'll, she'll say certain things. She said something about four the other day, so the Marvel superhero. And it was, um, for a stand-up comedian, I don't half butcher jokes. <laughs> she, she said something about, that's what you get when you get fanned in your knicker. <laughs> and it took me a while. Ah, yeah, Thor. Very good. <laughs> but I, I guess the reason I want to put the, the walk to school, it, it's for the inspiration, it's for the material, but it's also the, um, it's quite sentimental. It's, quite, it's an age that, they grow up so quickly. There is the, the horrible phrase, but they do. And it's for me, it's uh it's just a lovely part of the day. It's a great way to start the day. Yeah. And I, I do I do skip back home afterwards, sort of buzzing with just a big smile on my face and buzzing with ideas and ready to sort of start the day. Whereas when they're both going to high school, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have to adopt a child. <laughs> <laughs> but you could start a I'll walk the kids to school sort of a, a dog walking service for kids. <laughs> <laughs> I know there are lots of mums out there because it's a very rare thing for a, a father to get the pleasure of walking their children to school. Uh, I had it as an actor, you know, so because you know, unemployment or yeah, not the thinking hours, about yeah. that. The hours, <laughs> yeah. So you're right, it does get you out of bed. And the moment it stops, it's very difficult to keep that habit up. I tell you what I do like about it as well, another element, is the the seeing the regular faces. So we, we go to a school that isn't the nearest one to us and mm -hmm. we have kids walking towards us as we go past. And we, we invent, me and my daughter, 
we invent names for everyone that we pass because we see the same people. <laughs> yeah. And um, there's Little Moon and there's the Slug. Uh, some of them aren't complimentary. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we see them all and we give them names. And it's just a nice part of the routine to say morning, hello, how are you doing mm-hmm. to everyone? And it just, yeah, I, I will miss it. And I think you, you're probably right. It will take some willpower to get up in the morning and just go and do something. And I'm getting depressed just thinking about it. <laughs> no, it's funny because I hadn't thought about it for years. And now you mentioning it, I do remember feeling absolutely bereft at the thought that that was it. I'm going to need a substitute, <laughs> some kind of another walk, perhaps walk around the park or something. Yes. But, mm, so yeah, that's 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 going to go in walking the daughters to school in the morning. Got to get a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a not kid friendly work joke about getting a lockdown dog. We got a lockdown dog, really great. But every time we go up the park, I have to take those little shit bags with me. Although the wife doesn't like it when I call the kids that. <laughs> okay, in the time capsule, there will be the possibility of you reliving those walks. It'll always be there. I'll crack open the canister and there'll be a fizz and it'll be the experience of walking the kids to school. And you'll hear different variants on farting. <laughs> yes, farmyard animals. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, let's move on to item number three. Okay, I hope you're having fun. We're going to have a short ad break now to try and make some money, but we'll be back in the twinkle of an eye. Sunny out today, isn't it? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome back. Let's quickly return to Olaf Falafel and find out what else he will put in his time capsule. Um, the next one is a slice of cheese. It's a slice of Emmental. Mm-hmm. And it represents an idea that I had seven, eight years ago. And there was a precursor to TikTok called Vine. I don't know if you remember it. I do, yes. 
I quite liked it. It was quite good because of the, the restriction that you had to get your thing across in just six seconds. Mm. And that's what I found really good was the it really did focus. The, I always talk about limitations, focus your creativity and sort of giving yourself kind of rules really makes you think hard about what you, if you if you've got anything you can almost be bewildered whereas if you've a six second kind of time limit you think well it, it really does it focuses your storytelling skills as well so, mm. so I had this idea I, I was I was relatively sort of doing well on Vine and lots of silly short six second videos and I remember going to a gig and I'd had an idea for this thing and I told another comedian who's a great friend of mine and he gave me the, uh-huh, are you kind of mad sort of? <laughs> Basically, the idea was I was going to make a video where I would take a slice of Emmental, the cheese with holes in, mm. and throw it onto a newspaper. And where the holes land, you can read between the holes and it will make a phrase or it will turn into a sentence. And I would obviously engineer it in the cut so there'd be a... a a shot of me throwing the cheese and then where it kind of blurs and then the cheese landing, there's a there's a great sort of cut that you can do where you cut between the two blurred bits and it looks almost real. Mm. And I, I was explaining this to him and I said, well, what I'll do is I'll get the Sun newspaper and I'll throw it on the Sun. He looked at me like I was mad. <laughs> the next day I did it, I went to the Tesco nearest to me and I bought four or five packs of Emmental because I thought I need a lot. I bought the, the Sun for that day, which again, I felt dirty doing. But um, <laughs> And I threw it on the Sun and I sort of re-engineered it. I printed out the words tits, tits, bingo, tits. <laughs> which to me was the core distillation of what the sun was. And I, I threw this down onto the sun. On, I said, the cheese of truth. And I threw it down. <laughs> and I thought to myself, as I'm clicking send, the guy at the comedy night outside is either bang on and this is completely nuts, or there are other people who think like me and will find this funny. And for me, the cheese represents the feeling when someone gets what you've done yeah and it, you're not necessarily bonkers and yeah lots of people liked it. i think it went kind of a bit nuts and then i it gave me the confidence to do more of them and i did the uh, the cheese of truth versus the daily mail and i threw <laughs> i threw a slice on the daily mail and i thought to myself well the daily mail headlines they're either immigrants or something either gives you cancer or cures cancer so i whether it's red wine or broccoli or so i got a <laughs> slice of cheese i went the cheese of truth threw it on the daily mail and it said immigrants cause cancer and uh, obviously everyone got that it was uh, it was satirical against i don't actually believe that it was uh, and and that went well and i ended up throwing cheese on all sorts of things but it was for me the cheese represents and and I've done some ch more child-friendly ones. And there's one that I've done, and I show the video in my school visits. And it's one of the things where kids just go, they go, when they see it, they go nuts for it. It's it's a bit of a trick. I, I needed to step it up a level. So mm. I, I started doing cheese of truth trick shots. So this one I've put on TikTok because it, it's more of a recent one. I got a spatula from the kitchen. I rested the slice of cheese on the end and I kind of made a fulcrum with a cucumber. So I got a little <laughs> seesaw and I whacked one end. The cheese went flying, landed on an open book. And when you look through the holes, it says cats are better than dogs. <laughs> and this kind of the, the, the this kind of sparks the kids going no they're not oh yes they are all cheering or, and then the camera pans to my own cat who's kind of just sat there looking and then these kind of pixelated sunglasses come down and and the sort of music 
kind of cranks up and the cat's just looking very cool and the, the kids the, the <laughs> kids love just it. love yeah. it i bet yeah they love it there is the flip side of that where I do something and nobody gets it. And it turns out I am actually on some weird wavelength, but the cheese represents when I do something that I, I I'm doubting myself and I'm thinking, is this just too stupid? And other people get it. And it's a great endorphin hit when you on social media, where you get all the clicks and the, which is great. But I think more than that for me, it's the fact that <laughs> I'm not nuts, <laughs> or I am, but there are other people who are as well. It is extraordinary what people will buy into as well. Yeah. My grandson did a little video, which he put onto, I think, probably YouTube, and he said, look, Grandad, I've got 300,000 views. And I went, when did you do it? He said, yesterday. I went, wow. And it was entitled, Boy Shakes Blanket on Stairs. And it was just <laughs> a shot of the blanket shaking on the stairs. That's all it was. Amazing, amazing. But, yeah, it's bizarre what people will kind of gravitate towards. They were, I did one yesterday, a little video. It, it was just a stupid thing. I, I saw one of these, it was a filter on TikTok or Instagram where a line comes down from the top of the screen and as it comes down, your face will change in some way mm. or get distorted. And I thought it'd be funny to kind of do that but do my own version of it where the line comes down, and as it comes down, my nose gets replaced with a Greg's vegan sausage roll. <laughs> and I did that, and I put that up there, and it's not gone wildly successful or anything like that, but enough people have liked it or mentioned that it's, it's their kind of thing, and yeah. Yeah, I think in, in a way, if, if anybody gets your joke, then you're happy, aren't you? I think. <laughs> it's a bonus, yeah. It's a bonus, yeah. because you do. It's... Obviously, obviously you, you wouldn't make it otherwise. I'm always yeah. making jokes that other people just look at me. Well, I'll get a badge made up. We, we can have a club. We can have a club. <laughs> but luckily, I do have a copy of Nigel Farage's autobiography, and I have some Emmental, so I'm going uh, <laughs> to throw it on here and see it says, I am a fascist bigot oh that was interesting it does work <laughs> oh it works there yeah. you go you've obviously got the magic cheese too <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant what a great idea i actually did a whole edinburgh show called olaf falafel and the cheese of truth where it kind of told my story and i threw it on men's health magazine and i on donald trump's twitter feed and <laughs> i made up a, a religion and i threw it on their version of the bible the holy book of peg <laughs> I made a video where I'd stuck as many pegs as I could onto my face and I knocked onto the front door as though I was a sort of Jehovah's Witness or yes. something. And I, I said, could you spare a moment to, uh, to talk about the, uh, the book of Peg? And <laughs> it wasn't quite the life of Brian, but it was kind of talking about religion and I threw the cheese on the book of Peg. So I, I've kind of creatively exercised the cheese of truth, but then about... It must have been about a year, 18 months ago, I started getting messages from comedian friends of mine saying, have you seen this? Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a guy in America on TikTok who's basically just taken the cheese of truth and done it in exactly the same way. He says, the cheese of truth, with a slightly American accent, the cheese of truth, and then throwing it onto things, but not quite doing it as well. <laughs> but the problem was he already had three million followers ah. whereas i i wasn't even a presence on tiktok i just thought kind of thought well that's for the kids i'm, I'm, I'm beyond that mm. and then i saw that and i thought i've got to 
kind of do something. So I, that's when I made the Cheese of Truth trick shot and a few more creative ways of doing it. I dropped, mm. I, I did a Cheese of Truth extreme where I dropped a cheese, of, a slice of cheese from the top bedroom window down to the sort of little patio on the bottom of the garden. And I went upstairs, I got the Cheese of Truth. I had a little book, it was a children's encyclopedia, opened up on the patio at the bottom there. I threw it down it landed and then I followed it down and the camera follows me as I go down the steps, down the steps to downstairs and the, the steps down from the kitchen, out of the kitchen to the garden, then down again to the pack. And then when you read the cheese, it says, that's 40 seconds of your life you're never getting back. <laughs> <laughs> and that got loads of, considering I, similar to your grandson, considering I only had a few sort of mm. hundred followers at the time, it got loads of you. I think it, it got near to sort of half a million. And certainly with joke writing on Twitter and for people who make puns and there, there's a lot of um, parallel thinking and I'll quite often get messages from other comedians saying, oh, I had something similar or... Mm-hmm. But yeah, the cheese of truth one was blatant. And it was to the point where he owned up and he said, yeah, I'd seen your vines from a couple of years ago, thought they were great, so I thought I would just kind of remake them. Great, but not as an homage. Not as good. Oh, well. But we will put a slice of Emmental cheese. We'll put that in there to remind you of that brilliant time. Excellent. Okay, so we're on to number four already. Wow. Number four. Um, well, this time, I mean, I did, I had five. I'm going to have to choose. I'm going to, on the spot choice now between two pints of Guinness and my eldest daughter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's obvious, isn't it? Well, it's going to be the two pints of Guinness. It is. <laughs> Mainly because that kind of encompasses my older daughter as well. So the two pints of Guinness represents what I drink when I go to the football. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I'm a big football fan. And for me, it's not necessarily about the football because I support Luton Town. And we've been doing all right recently, mm-hmm. but we're very much up and down. And we've been, certainly in my lifetime, we've, we've won things when I was born. Yeah. And my dad took me when I was five or six. And that's how I got indoctrinated. And I'm one of four kids and... All four of us are Luton Town supporters. Uh, the Eric Morecambe Club, isn't it? It is, yeah, indeed. Mm. Um, I've I've done stand-up comedy in the Eric Morecambe suite, which <sighs> is like a real sort of homecoming. Yeah. Um, but for me, the two pints of Guinness is I meet my older brother, who's a year older than me, so we're quite close, mm. and we, we'll go down the pub. We'll get there just the right time where we can have two leisurely pints of Guinness, and then it'll be time to walk the 25 minute to the ground. But my eldest daughter is now 13 and she's been coming since she was five and she loves it. She loves the the swearing and the, the rude songs and the things that she shouldn't know and the <laughs> things that she learns. And then there's, there's things that she'll hear and she'll say, why did that man say that, Dad? And I'll have to kind of explain, but don't say that in polite company. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, the two pints of Guinness, we'll sit and we'll drink, we'll have a natter and we'll talk about... Because I think it's a generalisation that blokes don't talk. And for me, it's when me and my brother can talk. And all right, a lot of it might be about football, but then we'll talk about what we've been doing and talk about his work and talk about what we've got coming up. And his son is 21 now Mm -hmm. and he'll be there and my daughter will be there and they'll kind of be, they won't have Guinness, but they'll be (laughs) sort of nattering on and there perhaps might be another game on and they'll be checking their phone to see when the teams are coming out and who's playing and who's dying. And it's just the whole thing it's a nice social thing. Mm. There's the, the football is almost subsidiary. But then when we get to the ground, my younger brother will be there because he comes with his son. So 
all of us get together and we're all there with our one of our offspring. And yeah, it's just a really nice kind mm. of the football, like I say, the football win, lose or draw, it's lately there's been quite a few wins as Luton have gone from we were non-league. We got a series of financial penalties at one point we had a 30 point deduction that mm. consigned us to out of the football league and then we spent five seasons in the conference non-league and my daughter just she started going when we got promoted out of non-league and then we got promoted out of league two and out of league one and now we're in the championship so just beneath the premier league and she's only ever known us going one way <laughs> whereas I, I i've seen i've seen ups and downs and roller coasters and but yeah, I think those two pints of Guinness for me, I'll only ever drink Guinness then. Mm. I won't drink Guinness any other occasion. Right. I don't know why or when it started. It's just, I think we just, four or five years back, it was, what was you fancy? And I thought, well, let's have a Guinness. And then it just stuck. And from now, me and my old brother, he'll buy the first, I'll buy the next, and then we're off. <laughs> and it's just the right amount of time for us to talk without running out of stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's a moment, it's a feeling, and... That's one, unlike the walking the doors to school, that I can happily keep up with. Yeah. Yeah, you make me feel guilty because my younger brother is a big Crystal Palace supporter. And Crystal Palace is only about an hour from where I live. And he's always inviting me, saying, come, 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 and you'll love it. And uh, my nephews go, they're all fans. They all go and they all meet up there. So as a family, they meet up. And I've never been with him. I've never gone. Well, again, I think that is how I can justify it. As well as time spent bonding with my brother, mm-hmm. it is my eldest daughter as well. She loves, she'll talk about players that Luton are rumoured to be signing yeah. and she'll be saying, oh, have you seen this video of... And so she will then come to me during the day saying, oh, have you seen this bit of news? So it is part of, and it's an extra kind of thing that we can kind of chat about and have together. So I don't feel as guilty. And there's there's something magical as well about the evening games. When we go to an evening game, I remember her first evening game, I think she was only six or seven. And I really had to convince my other half because it was school the next day. Mm. There was the floodlights, there was drizzle. It was, it was lovely. It was magical. We've had some particularly sort of memorable ones that she will quote to me. She'll say about the, do you remember the the Portsmouth game, (laughs) which was midweek and snowing and we won three, two. Wow. I am a Manchester United supporter and I inherited that from my father. My other half is. (laughs) Well, I slightly wish I weren't (laughs) because coming sixth or seventh in the Premiership is a a very disappointing season. And so it's not really fair. I, I can absolutely understand the joy of watching your team fall away and then slowly, slowly work them way back. My son in law is a Nottingham Forest supporter and has been all his life. And suddenly, I mean, I sat behind him as he watched the last moments of the playoff. As the whistle was blown, I was able to hand him a glass of champagne, which was lovely. We were in the playoff semi-final, so we played Huddersfield, mm. and it was quite sad. It was what it was sad because we played well. Ah. That's probably what makes it makes it worse. But ben, by the same token, I was in a school on Thursday, just gone, and the headmaster was a massive Derby County fan. The other side of things, I know. I feel for them. Hopefully they will find someone to take over. But yeah, I can, I can, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy apart from Watford. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the two pints of Guinness, they go into the time capsule and that's your fourth item. So all we've got left is the thing you want to get rid of. This was really tough. I thought if there's something I want to bury forever, I'd probably make it David Blaine <laughs> because he'd probably like that. <laughs> now this thing, it kind of ties everything up a bit in a nice little bow. So I guess it's kind of nice. Uh, I'd like to put in the phrase, 
grow up. <laughs> Specifically when aimed at kids, but I suppose sort of when aimed at adults as well to a certain extent. But there's there's something about, and again, I mentioned it earlier when I said my daughter likes to go to football because it kind of makes her more grown up. But there's something about kids losing their playfulness and their creativity and adults wanting them or making them or whether I don't know what it is whether it's society but them growing up too soon yeah and I remember to my mum always tells the story of my nan she always used to I I was always the one out of us four who would always be misbehaving Mm. Um, and if my mum ever went anywhere with us all, I would be the one who'd be lost and she'd find me chatting to a stranger or going into a shop that I shouldn't have gone in. And if there was ever a photo be taken, I would be the one sort of mugging up to the camera or doing an impression of someone just generally misbehaving. And my nan always used to say, you ought to knock that out of him. Uh... They didn't, thank God. Uh, but it was almost she was she was quite a, a Victorian lady and didn't stand for any nonsense. Mm. And I just think I, I stand for nonsense. Yeah, well done. Good. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it sounds stupid. If it sounds stupid, so we get the stupid kind of knocked out of us. Yeah. In a way. Not physically, but through life. And I've I've worked so I before being a comedian, I've I've been an illustrator alongside, but I've also worked in advertising and coming up with slogans and working on campaigns for things. And quite a lot of the time, the funnier ideas used to get knocked back and mm-hmm. refused. And I would I'd constantly have to keep chipping away and putting the the, the stupid ideas. And the, eventually they would get taken up and quite often they'd be some of the more successful ones. There is that strange assumption, isn't it, that actually because it's silly or because it's funny, it's not worthwhile. Yeah, and there's no value to it mm. and there's no... I like to think, and I don't, don't know whether this is bad advice or or if it's, a, um, <laughs> if it's a form of uh, neglect, that when I go into schools and I talk about being a comedian or talking about being a, an author of very silly books, that it will inspire some of them to perhaps consider not necessarily taking that up as a career, but just being a bit more silly. And I do get sent quite a lot of comics and things that kids have drawn themselves. So it, it does work. And even if that's not, even if you do become an accountant or whatever you are, then perhaps just bring a little of bit of that into your day-to-day. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason that, as you say, kids have it knocked out of them, uh, and not necessarily physically, but certainly by the water torture method of constantly being told off for it or put down because of it, being told to take things seriously. Mm, Grow up. Absolutely. You're a big boy now. Those sort of phrases. The reason that is done is because obviously there are things in life that you have to take seriously. But even those, a little bit of humour always helps, I think, to get through them. Yeah, completely. I I completely understand that there are things, aren't there, that especially nowadays with the internet and online things, there's, there's different levels of safety that you have to teach kids about. And so there are definitely moments where they do need to be a bit more serious. But I, do, I, I just think there's, there's the playful element where there's one kid in the school where my daughter goes to who just has me in stitches and some of the things that she tells me about him But he gets into trouble an awful lot. And I guess some of the teachers probably don't think he's hilarious. (laughs) I said to my daughter, I said, I'll tell you what, if I was in your class, he'd probably be my best mate. And I don't think it's necessarily being naughty when I say grow up. I think it's just the playfulness. It's just the the creativity. It's just if you want to, I don't know, turn a banana into a phone or whatever it happens to be, Mm. do that. But look at the extraordinary reaction to William and Kate's youngest son at the Jubilee. Just because he was a little boy who was bored 
and just kept pulling funny faces and kind of looking bored. I mean, what did they expect a five, six-year-old to do? I had, um, so my my last show was called Knitting with Maracas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the poster was me with a knitted beard. My mum knitted me a beard. She she loves it. She loves it. I'll, I'll come to her with silly things and she's like, oh, yeah. So I said, mum, can you knit me a blue beard? Uh, my show's going to be called Knitting with Maracas. And the reason the show was called Knitting with Maracas, and it's a story that I told within the show, was because... My mum was looking after my my youngest brother's son, so my nephew, mm. who at the time would have been three or four. And my mum's got a wicker basket that is filled with toys and they're toys that we would have played with as a child that she's kept hold of. And there are cars in there. There's some musical instrumenty type things. And there are some maracas in there. Now, my mum's a big knitter, but he had the maracas out. And rather than shaking them like maracas, he was clunking the handles together, so I, I said to him, so uh, what, what are you doing there? He goes, oh, well, I'm, I'm knitting with maracas. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it's a great phrase. Yeah. It's a great name for a show. But also it's a great way of seeing the thing and using it. In a di- and then when his brother came round to pick him up, I was still there having a cup of tea with my mum. And he was still doing it, clanking away. And my brother said, that's not how you do it. That's You turn around. That, that, that's how you play them. And it was that was almost a kind of a, it was the drip drip subtly done of, just a little bit of the grow up. So, yeah, I, th- I think the phrase grow up, mm. I think we need to kind of consign. Yeah, quite. I think being childlike is a precious thing. It's something you should work on. Definitely. Make sure it happens in your life. I think, um, is it um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Willy Wonka. I don't know whether it's in the book or wh- whether it's the film only, but I know there's the a little nonsense now and then is relished by the wisest men. <laughs> I think that's one of my favourite lines. Brilliant. OK, well, then I shall banish the words grow up. Oi, you, grow up. Why don't you grow up? <laughs> what a ridiculous thing to say to someone. It is, especially to a, especially to a child. Grow up. I'm doing my best. We all are. <laughs> I'll do it slowly if it's all right with you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Olaf, what a lovely bunch of things you put into the time capsule. It's been great talking to you. Thank you so much. And the very best of luck with Blobfish. It's a fantastic idea. Oh, thank you so much. I've enjoyed my shower in warm chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> now go and have a bath. <laughs> You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my lovely guest, Olaf Falafel. Okay, before you go, please subscribe, rate, and maybe even review this podcast. We'd be most grateful if you do that, as it helps others to discover this podcast, a service that I hope you'd be willing to do for mankind. For your own entertainment, you may want to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For a lot of stuff about my time capsule, plus photos of my grandchildren, the other jobs I'm lucky enough to do once a year, and the occasional rant against the injustices of the world. As I see them, obviously. My Time Capsule is also available to follow on those social media platforms for a more even-tempered view of life. If you like the theme music, which I'm sure you do, you can listen to it anytime you like on Spotify. It was written by the once-heard, never-forgotten Pass the Peas Music. This podcast was produced by John Fenton-Stevens and is a cast-off production for Acast. There you go. Thanks for listening. Do tell your friends. You can also tell them Olaf's brilliant joke about shouting broccoli and cauliflower. Again, once heard, never forgotten. Unless you have. Have you? 
in which case you have to listen to the start of this episode all over again to be reminded. Now, please, concentrate. How can you forget such a simple yet brilliant joke? All right, no, I'm not going to tell you it. You'll have to go back and find it yourself. But here is a test. This joke was written by Tim Vine and also won the Dave Funniest Joke at the Edinburgh Festival. Now, the trick is to repeat it back to yourself several times the moment you've heard it so that it goes in sticks. This is one you can use to fill any embarrassing silence on, say, for example, a first date. If it doesn't get a laugh, dump them. Right, here we go. I've decided to sell my hoover. Well, it was just collecting dust. Are you repeating it to yourself? Come on, concentrate. Oh, bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.